Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and Happy New Year. My name is Christopher Brake, entry level physical therapist, and welcome to the Physio Break podcast. Insert a catchy jingle here. In this podcast, we'll be covering various musculoskeletal conditions, including some cardiorespiratory and neurological conditions throughout, as I do also work in a public practice. Now, without further ado, let's get to the bulk of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be discussing lateral hip pain, specifically gluteal tendinopathy. This is a painful muscular condition that primarily affects women's aged 40 to 60. However, it can affect athletes as well. I'll be adding my own personal case study as I battled with this condition for a couple months last year. Now, this condition is really a change or a tendinopathy of the gluteus medius and minimus tendons. Historically, it was known as trochanteric bursitis, but there's been found in the research that it's more of a secondary uh, inflammation that occurs due to this pathology that happens in these muscles. Now, what's happened is there's changes to the tendons at their insertion on the greater trochanter. So this leads to the irritation of the bursitis, which can cause us the very painful condition. Now, what it's caused from is from a stretching of these gluteus minimus and medius tendons when the leg or the hip spends too much time in adduction. So just to quickly recap, hip adduction is when you bring your thigh closer to the midline. And while you're doing this, you're actually stretching out the tendons and compressing the bursa. So prolonged activity or prolonged static positions can cause this increase of compression and irritation, such as sitting cross-legged, hanging on one hip when standing. So that's when you put all the way to one side and you stick it out, kind of like in Trendelenburg stance. Also, climbing stairs and letting your hip drop. Laying on the side can also be irritating, or when you're side-lying, if your leg is hip-flexed and then adducted across your body, can also increase strain. So, how do we go about our investigation? As always, we're going to be starting with our subjective. And when we're talking to our clients, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be trying to pick out those key functional activities or static positions that are irritating. So it's stair climbing, so painful with walking upstairs or downstairs, walking up hills, standing on one leg. And that's just because there's a lot of demand on the glute med and there's potential for that weakness to allow the hip drop and increase the adduction. And we're also going to be looking for those static positions, as mentioned before. So once we kind of get our subjective history, we want to kind of get an idea of, okay, there's potential here that is gluteal tendinopathy. So how are we going to move forward with our diagnosis? So beginning our objective assessment, we just have to clear a few things. So we'll do our lumbar scan to make sure there's no neurological causes that could be interfering with our subjective history. Then we'll do a gait analysis and we'll take a look to see if there's any kind of Trendelenburg gait or weakness in the glute meds while ambulating. Secondary, we'll do our active ranges of motion and muscle testing to figure out where the limits are and where the strength. We'll be primarily looking for any kind of painful increase with adduction and weakness in abduction and limited in those ranges. Now the primary special test is actually going to be palpation. And the reason why it's palpation is because it's very localized and specific to the area over the greater trochanter. So if you take your thumb or your palpating fingers and you push into the greater trochanter and they have an increase of pain, you can very confidently say that there's likely some bursitis or tendinopathy in the area. A study by Grimaldi et al. in 2014 found that 
palpation had a sensitivity of 83%. However, it wasn't very specific. Another special test that we'll use is Faber's. So we're going to do flexion, abduction, and external rotation. And what we're going to be looking for is specifically a reproduction or any kind of tension in the anterior portion of the glute, med, and min tendons and muscle. Next, we can move on to a single leg stance. So this is what we're looking for within Trendelenburg. So if they have a painful right hip and they're standing on their right side and their left leg drops, what that tells us is the glute medius muscle is weak and it's not able to stabilize the hips in one-legged stance. And if they have pain with that, with the dropping, we know that now the adduction moment has increased and it's stretching the tendons. And that can help support our theory that it's gluteal tendinopathy leading to some kind of bursitis in the area. Another way to test the compression of this lateral compartment on the gradual canter is to actually flex the patient's hips, adduct it, and then externally rotate. This positions the IT band over the bursa and that extra compression can cause an increase of pain. Another way is in that same position, you do a resisted external rotation. Grimaldi et al. found that this had a sensitivity of 48%, but it was highly specific with 86%. Working with a patient with a painful right side, if you have them on left side lying, what we're going to do is you're going to have their left leg flexed at 90 degrees. You're going to take their right leg and you're going to passively adduct it behind them. This is just increasing the adduction, increasing the stretch and strain, looking for any increases of pain here. Additionally, while you're here, you can test the strength of the abductors in the various ranges to see how strong it is. So now you gathered the information from your subjective and you found that there are some painful functional activities and static positions that are related to gluteal tendinopathy and there's point tenderness and you have your objective results to support this theory. So what's next? The first step is going to be education, and you're going to be looking at load management strategies, monitoring training volumes and other various functional activities that are aggravating. This may result in reduction of load to a non-painful limit. Also, we're going to be trying to correct any postures that are aggravating, so re-educating our clients on how they're supposed to stand, move, walk, and sit. So when sitting, you don't want to have any legs crossed at all, so you want to sit with your legs 90 degrees and you want to have your knees separated. You also want to stop any adduction stretches for the IT band or glutes. So because that's increasing the stretch and compression, you want to eliminate those too. Another important part is going to be sleeping hygiene. You don't want to have their clients sleeping on the side that's painful and it might appear obvious. However, when they're sleeping on their other side, you want to use pillows to support their leg. So working with the right painful hip example, They'll sleep on their left side with their right hip flexed to 90 degrees and they'll have a pillow to help support their hip being in neutral, avoiding that increase in adduction. And as we know, complete rest is detrimental to muscle health and tendon health. So we just want to find that fine balance of reducing load so it's manageable, but then keeping those activities to keep everything strong. So the next thing we're going to talk about is what is the actual exercise prescription we're going to work towards. Phase one is going to primarily include isometric loading. Ganderton et al. in 2018 found that isometric exercises help to release cortical, which had an inhibition on pain. This effect could last up to 45 minutes. The prescription they used was five reps of 45 seconds. So what kind of isometric exercises are we going to be doing? 
Now they're going to be um, abduction exercises specifically for the glute med. So we want to isometrically load these. And we're going to do them in two positions. The first is going to be in side lying. So you have the patient with a right lateral hip pain lying on their left side. Both legs are straight. And you're going to have a pillow between their thighs helping to support their hips in neutral. All you're going to get them to do is lightly contract that right glute by raising their legs slightly and just holding that position, aiming for 45 seconds, obviously decreasing the time if there's any dramatic increase of pain symptoms. The second position is going to be in standing. You're going to have your client standing against the wall to help support, and then you're going to have them stand on their right side, not allowing their left hip to drop in this Trendelenburg position. So they have to use the right glute med to stabilize the hip. Again, you're aiming for this 45 seconds for five repetitions. The primary goal of phase one is to obviously maintain and keep strength, but for pain management. Once pain has gone down and they're able to do these activities and there are these exercises as prescribed, then we can move on to phase two. And phase two is going to include our isotonic loading. So our isotonic loading are just going to be our general concentric exercises. So we'll have supine abduction with the band. This way is an easier to start so you don't actually have gravity working against you too. And you have the support of the floor or bed or whatever surface you're on in supine holding the weight of the leg. So you can just work on that abduction movement. You'll also then work into standing abduction, progression with the band, and adding functional exercises such as double leg bridge and a squat. Now the progressions for the bridge and squat is once you're able to do them pain-free, you'll add an offset. So by having one leg, so if it's the right side that's painful, you'll have the left leg moved a little bit forward. So you're increasing the amount of weight that the right leg is holding. And then eventually you're gonna to get to a single leg bridge and a single leg squat. The other exercise is always gonna be having, um, incorporating balance and proprioception and the maintaining the neutral hip while in single leg stance. So just working on single leg standing in this isotonic loading phase. All right, so the isotonic loading phase is going well. You're noticing that strength is increasing and your client is not as aggravated during functional activities. So now we're gonna go on to the energy storage loading uh, phase, which is phase three. So now that they're feeling better, we actually want to increase the load into these compressive positions. So by doing exercises and banded work, starting with the hip in this adductive position to get the tendons used to working at this lengthened area and get stronger here. Additionally, we want to incorporate more functional strength exercises, such as step ups, skater jumps, sidestepping, and drop squats. It's important that during these exercises that we're controlling the knee uh, and that we're keeping it proper alignment over the foot, and we're really focusing on their ability to maintain their femur to hip to knee all in that neutral and abducted alignment and not allowing the adduction to increase. And these activities are going to directly translate to our client's ability to climb stairs and walk up hills uh, when they're contracting their muscles and maintaining their neutral hip. General prescription that I like to do for these kind of functional exercises, such as step-ups, I like to go for four sets of 12 to 15 reps because you want to build that strength, but you also want to get endurance because you want that translation to functional activities in their daily life. Now, once phase three is going well and your client's an athlete, then we're going to progress to our return to sport. 
And this is just going to be picking out one thing at a time and slowly going through the different drills and the different sports related activities and managing. It's going to be highly personalized to each different individual, so I won't go into too much detail about that. As always, we also want to track our progress throughout to make sure that we have the right diagnosis and things are going along well. So some common outcome measures that we can use will be manual muscle testing, just ensuring that the glute med and everything's getting stronger. Single leg stance time, we can look at their biomechanics during it, how long they're able to do it before any pain comes on. Lower extremity functional scale, we can use a numeric pain scale. And then of course, sport activity with that are specific to them and, and any kind of subjective telling of how their functions are increasing. Additionally, we want to always just keep in our minds any differential diagnosis. So things like hip OA, avascular necrosis, if you have a younger individual coming in, femoral acetabular impingement, or lumbar radiculopathy. These kind of things can be missed or overlooked, so just have in the back of our mind if we aren't progressing. Now, as said, it is kind of um, a tricky condition as it takes more time than like I would say normal for a tendinopathy. So you could just make sure your clients are aware that this isn't going to necessarily be a two to four week fix and that two months could actually be a realistic timeline. Now moving forward with my own case, I realize now that my biggest error was my biomechanics during my functional squat exercises, particularly my heavy barbell squats. I realized that when I was loading down at when my hips were at 90 degrees flexion, that what happened is I allowed my knees to buckle in or increase the adduction as I was unaware that I was using it as a leverage to push up on the barbell. Now knowing that that increase of strain of the adduction actually was, was from my weakness in my glute med and it was causing that stretching pain. So the first thing I did to address this was I actually decreased my loading volume of the weights. However, I didn't actually change my uh, biomechanics at this point. It wasn't until later when my classmates were practicing an assessment on me that they noticed that any time I went into a double leg squat or single leg squat, I naturally went into this adduction. And it turned out I actually had a really weak glute meds. So from that point on, I just started strengthening using concentric exercises. However, I noticed that during my activities, like it was painful and I didn't allow enough time for my muscles to go through this like isometric loading phase. On top of that, I was still sleeping on my sides left and right and I was waking up throughout the night with pain on my right side. So I would have fared better if I would have switched to sleeping on my back or using these strategies. But at the time I just, with a memory foam mattress, I just wasn't kind of thinking. So when you're working with other clients, you just gotta make sure that you keep the education piece going there and you don't miss things like that because it's easy to kind of not associate two things as being a problem. But the biggest telltale sign was I absolutely had point tenderness and it was very specific. For me, when I would palpate my greater trochanter, it was just slightly inferior to the largest point. And that any kind of compression or pressure I'd push on it would cause my pain. And that was the same kind of pain I would feel during my squats when I was adducting. So that's how looking back now, that I had gluteal tendinopathy. But like I said, also at the time, I wasn't totally aware with the best ways to management. So I was still doing things like um, adduction stretches to stretch the glute tendons there. And I was increasing compression, not aware of what I was actually doing. So likely this probably prolonged my recovery because this aggravated me until roughly about March 
when the pandemic started and I actually had to stop um, barbell squatting and switch everything to bodyweight exercises. At that point, I was more focused on maintaining my uh, knee in neutral alignment, so I wasn't allowing my legs to fall into adduction. I was doing bodyweight exercises, so the load was lower, and then just generally getting a little bit more rest. So you can kind of see that I went awry and I was doing some things correctly, but I was missing the others. So just making sure when you're with your clients that they're not pushing themselves and not doing anything that's going to be more aggravating because it's easy to fall in those traps and actually cause more pain or to just prolong recovering them like overall. Well, that's all for today. And I appreciate everybody listening. If you have any thoughts or concerns or questions or things you want to share, Follow my Instagram page, Physio Break. Break is B-R-A-K-E. Just to see, uh, to connect and just continue the connections going. Thanks for listening.